From the Hype HQ studio in Chicago, Illinois, it's Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Raj Nation, and I am the founder of Startup Hype Man. Fast-growing startups work with me because they want to become better storytellers. Whether that's for customers, investors, or a packed audience, they know that story is their ticket to stand out, stand apart, and change the game. And this podcast here is where I talk with entrepreneurs and leaders in the startup ecosystem, ranging from scale stage to early stage, as they share specific strategies that they have executed to stand out across three specific areas, sales, marketing, and people. Before we begin today's episode, remember you can head to StartupHypeMan.com and subscribe to the newsletter that doesn't suck. You'll get new podcast episodes and timely reads written by me, but also helpful articles from around the web and a notice of upcoming pitch competitions. All right, let's dive in and hear how today's guest is changing the game. Ladies and gentlemen, making his way to the microphone from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and headquartered out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He is the Chief Marketing Officer and co-founder of Penji. Please welcome, Jonathan Grzybowski! That is the best intro on the planet, and from the, the hype man himself, I appreciate that greatly. <laughs> he is Jonathan Grzybowski, the CMO and co-founder of Penji.co. What is Penji? Well, let's tell you about that for a second here. Penji creates products and allows people to do more, whether that is running a business, growing a startup, scaling an agency, or managing a marketing campaign. Penji makes it more efficient and more affordable. They have an unlimited graphic design platform, which allows you to get the design support you need at a flat monthly rate. Penji was founded in 2017 and has already grown to make the Inc. 5000 list with over a thousand customers servicing every continent except Antarctica. But one day when the penguins can draw, he will be, and Penji will be serving Antarctica as well. They have, they have customers like Lyft, Tide, and Reebok. And they've done all of this without raising a dime, 100% bootstrapped. Jonathan, welcome to the show today. Yeah, thank you very much, man. Honored to be here. Um, I'm a big WWE fan, so I wish I told you that my where I live was parts unknown. For those of you who are actual <laughs> WWE warrior fans. name drop. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, our topic today is creating a retention-focused culture. Can you just give a quick abstract on why this is on your mind and why this is important to you? Uh, I think from an early beginning, I, I was very selfish in the idea that we could do, we were all selfish, that we could do this thing called entrepreneurship in life and business by ourselves. And we realized that at, relatively early on that we didn't have the right people that were on our team. We were selfish in the aspect of just like how we communicated. Um, and the reason why that we're successful moderately to where we are today stems from the people that are in the room behind me um, and what they're able to produce because they're way smarter than any, and they're able to do things way better than what I'm able to do. And I think acknowledging that is, is and, and creating systems and processes in place is, is the true definition of success. So that's, that's what's why it's on my mind. We're going to learn all about Jonathan's view on, retention, customer retention and building a, a team culture around that. 
Before we do, let's learn a little bit more about you, Jonathan. Now, you just said you're a big WWE fan, so of course I'm going to ask you more about that. Let's go with favorite wrestler of all time and favorite wrestler today. So all time has to be Chicago's own CM Punk. CM Punk, very nice. Um, I just love his ability to, to just like be on a microphone and say whatever the heck he wants, but do it in a very artistic way. Um, people who I like now, I, so I'm going to go from WWE and AEW. So sure. Orange Cassidy is probably <laughs> like one of my favorites. I just think that I just Small love guy every, persona. <laughs> yeah, his, his showmanship and just his direct, his art is just so, so crisp, so clean. Um, I love what Jericho is doing right now. I love the storyline with, uh, I love Andrade, um, those are just like the thing. I hate Roman Reigns. I just can't get behind <laughs> them. Um, I really love The Fiend. Nice. That whole storyline is amazing too with the Daniel O'Brien stuff. But yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, that's the answer. Well, I know we could go on for days about all that. Yeah, the sure. are like, what is he talking about? Yeah, this talking Which is all good because I different. asked the question and I was curious. And it's my show at the end of the day. My favorite yeah. all time is Shawn Michaels. Uh, nice. Today, probably... I am a, I'm a huge, I've always been a big Jericho fan. I especially think he's good at reinventing himself. Um, I yeah, think today, 100%. probably my favorite is Seth Rollins, especially when he's heel. Yeah, yeah. There's nobody better, but I don't like the whole, I don't like how he's doing it right now. I, <laughs> I, I, I think it's good because it's like, a, it's, anyways, we'll talk about that more at another time. Because again, <laughs> everyone listening is like, I don't even know what's going on at this point. But um, <laughs> let me ask you this. Did your, your love of WWE and wrestling growing up, and clearly still today, has that influenced your work in any capacity? Yeah, 100%. I think, so in my, uh, my understanding of, of wrestling, and I've wrestled like for one day of my life, hmm. uh, like in a ring, and it was really, really difficult. So I think... I think wrestling isn't just two dudes in underwear hitting each other. It's an art and it's storytelling. And so you get into a ring and you don't really understand, you know what the end goal is, but you have to figure it out throughout the process and creatively share a story throughout that entire journey. And I think business is very similar to that. The only problem is that you don't actually know the end result. So um, when I'm running my day or when I'm, I'm, I'm doing things, I, I constantly think about like, what is the actual theme of that? What is the story? What is the end goal? How do I get there? So it's like very instrumental. It's, it's actually, I, I run my life to some degree as like a, a WWE match to, to some <laughs> weird degree. That's cool. Um, but yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I often this is say, a great question. I often say that with the companies that I work with here at Startup Hype Man, I am, they are all individual wrestlers and a yeah, wrestler is totally. just a brand at the end of the day. And mm -hmm. you know, in wrestling, if your brand is successful, if you get over with the crowd, either they have to boo you or they have to, they have to hate or cheer you. The worst is a no reaction. And so what I'm working with companies on is making sure they don't get a no reaction. And in, their, yeah. in this case, get cheered and become the mm -hmm. baby faces of their industry. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and it's a beautiful artistic way to explain it. Now let's talk about Penji. Um, you started this about three, four years ago. How did the idea come about? Were you doing something beforehand that was also entrepreneurially driven? Take us through that story. 
Yeah, we were a digital marketing agency. We provided like high-end services to businesses. Um, we worked with a lot of universities. We were selling a product that at the end of the day didn't legitimately help people. And I think as an entrepreneur, that was probably one of the hardest things to to do is to like, as an entrepreneur, you 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 want to sell. You could sell anything, right? You're like, what do you mean you don't want this? This is exactly what you need. But in actuality, like I would say it, but I wouldn't actually believe it. And so to fast forward, we're constantly thinking to ourselves like, well, what, what more can we do that legitimately helps people? Because creating websites for people, it's just, it's not all that fulfilling. It's cool to do it, but it, it's, it, you need more. And so we started surveying people and, and we started talking to people and said like, if you, what are some of the biggest problems that you're currently having in your, in your business? And a lot of it was, I need to find more reliable graphic design talent. And so the people that we interviewed ended up being our initial customer base. We didn't technically close shop until like a year and a half later until one financially we can get back what we, what we once had. Um, and then the other aspect of that was, um, we didn't want to do it prematurely and fall flat on our faces. And so we created Penji. Uh, and then we've been doing that obviously ever since we've since closed down the digital marketing agency because of the success of Penji. So uh, there's a very calculated risk when, when that happened. Now our, the, our main topic today is creating a retention focused culture, which is something you have emphasized and really made a point uh, in leading Penji. There is often a massive emphasis though on customer acquisition as there should be, but I feel like customer retention isn't as sexy of a topic, which is that's why it'll be fun to talk about it. But do you think that one is more important than the other? And, and like at large, how does Penji philosophically view retention? Yeah, I think it, it's all just like a forever revolving thing and it's all things encompassing. What I've realized in particular is in, when it comes to retention is the things that you do right now you most likely won't actually see the effects of what you've done, um, both negatively and and and, uh, and positively, for within three months from now. And so the decisions that I'm making right now, we're making it in a business. Like I know for a fact that if I made the wrong decision, that effect won't happen until three months. So that's kind of like the philosophy behind it, um, how we view it. I mean, it's just, you have to, at the end of the day, we're human beings and we have to be able to treat somebody as if they're human and not some like random statistic. And that's a very like vague way of explaining it. But if you really go, if you really want to like dive in deeper and just think to yourself, well, if I wasn't a customer, what would I want to hear? And what would I want to be done? And when we ask our customers that like, what's important to you, we categorize everything, we catalog everything. And then we try to listen to the masses based off of that feedback and create strategies to make sure that more customers that were feeling negatively about our service are now able to view us more favorably. You talked about how there was the, it's like what the decisions you make today, you won't see the result or reward until three, four months later, potentially even 
after that. So it sounds yeah. like there's a good deal of patience that's involved in a retention focused mindset and culture. You have to have patience. And I think like as a, uh, as an, a person who doesn't have much patience, you really have to like sit back and relax and not make rash decisions. Usually what happens is anytime a customer comes up to us, we have like a pay, a, like a, a notepad uh, or like a Google doc or whatever it is that's organization for you. And we'll write it down. Like, okay, one person said that quality is an issue. Well, that's fine if one person says it, but what happens if a hundred other people said that communication is more important? And so our gut reaction is to immediately solve an issue because that's like the thing that's emotionally taking up all of your real estate. But if you're able to just like remove yourself out of the equation and remove the emotional aspect of it and be able to assess like what's the actual problem, then you can be able to solve the, the, the solution. For us, we have like an ongoing list of we're not gonna we're not gonna add any new feature at all until we hit this certain number internally from our customers, and then that's when we know we have to fix it. Um, so yeah, patience is required, but I also think it, if you could take emotions out of it and do it more systematically and do it for, as like a math equation, because I personally believe business is less, uh, it's more science than it is anything else mm. um and i think if you can just like think similarly to that and just think more logically i think you'll be able to make better decisions high level um, tell, tell me more about that though that like I guess, yeah i can, me, I can give you something like tactical around it being a science um so like if you like let's just say you get 10 new customers this is this doesn't apply for us this applies for everybody that's listening so if you get 10 new customers, um, do you have to hire somebody, right? And if you mm-hmm. get 10 new customers right away, um, if you don't hire them, is that going to affect you now? No, but you should probably be thinking in the, into the future. So if your mathematical equation says that you're getting five, 10 new customers a month, then you need to be thinking that in March you're going to be have you're going to have 30 customers so you probably should be hiring somebody to prepare them for what's to come mm. and that math like I don't know that actually I don't know if that was a good example but I guess I'm just trying to like point paint the picture of like you just you just have to just think more logically about it and you sure. have to just look at it on like a numbers and zeros and ones and, and not just like an emotional rash decision. Yeah, yeah. Like if you increase X, what happens to Y? And yeah, exactly. Displacement is another it. thing that's really important. Okay, so in this idea of retention, I would make the argument that retention begins as soon as the customer presses buy or signs a contract. So that said, what does Penji's customer onboarding process look like? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not as good as, as we want it to be, um, but I can tell you what it will be. Um, right now, like the idea of Penji is that we want our customers to not be on Penji. Mm. And I know that sounds really counterintuitive and weird, but the less time that custom our customers are able to be inside of Penji, the more they're able to do for their customers. So we want our customers to be able to log on to Penji, be in there relatively quickly, submit all the graphic designs that they need to, 
request the revisions, pop out, and get back to their business. Um, the onboarding process is the onboarding process is um, you sign off for Penji, you uh, enter all your information that you need to, and you get direct access into Penji itself. We will be adding more educational elements like a video because what we're realizing is that our customers aren't actually educated about our process that we need them to be on. And so we're going to be creating videos in order to educate them just a little bit to make sure that we increase our chances of success for our customer. So it's just like small videos, like small, like, sure. a, like a small video, um, just to educate them because we're like a SaaS, not, we're not a SaaS. Or a service as he's a service. using air quotes when he says that for those of you who are listening and not, yeah. not seeing any so it's not like true SaaS. Right. It's, it's, not it's like you SaaS. have the portal that gets you to the people though. That's that's the SaaS part of it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But there are human beings that are doing it. So you can't think for us, you can't think like a traditional SaaS. There has to be some human element to it. And so there has to be a perfect marriage of like technology and technology educating human, but then human and human interaction. Mm. Mm. Okay. So part of this equation, I don't mean to mis mischaracterize what you said earlier about equations, but um, I should say part of the formula more or less here in building a retention focused culture is understanding the customers, right? Now, are you finding that you typically acquire customers who are first time buyers of this type of service altogether, or are they switching from a competitor? And does that impact how the team communicates with them during that onboarding process? Not really, no, because I think, so if you go to, here's the mindset that I have about that. If you go to Wendy, uh, Wendy, well, I, I, I like Wendy's better than any other fast food place, but if you go <laughs> to fine. McDonald's, we'll take Wendy's. Okay. <laughs> yeah, if you go to McDonald's is the easiest example. If you go to McDonald's, it's the same experience. Like I just went to, I had a, a trip France and nothing is open at like 12 at night. And so I had to go to <laughs> McDonald's because it's the only thing. And the McDonald's process in France is the exact same mm -hmm. in America. And so that same philosophy and thinking helps us with our customers too. So it doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter what they know, they all get the same cookie cutter experience. Mm -hmm. Now with our customers, um, we do get a lot of customers that know about our industry, but the thing that works best for us is, in our opinion, of course, we look the best. So in terms of appeal, um, you also you not only have to uh, you know, walk the walk, but you have to talk the talk as well. Mm. Now, okay, let's have this idea of talking the talk and walking the walk, because if this is a cultural principle, this is a culture change, right? Of being built around retention. I'm sure you have to train and onboard your own employees a certain way, right? Like if they're going to be, if they're going to be customer facing. So what does, like, what are you telling your employees when you're bringing them mm -hmm. into the company and, and can just kind of talk us through how they are taught to be customer minded and retention minded? Mm -hmm. So this is something that we've is relatively new to us um, that we're implementing. But I think from like a SaaS type of business model, it's really easy to talk about 
the product or the service as like a person. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to change the philosophy of the, of, of saying the customer's name. So I'll give you an example. This project is late, right? That's like a very common thing that, that like you might say to your team, but in actuality, that's not necessarily building a company, a, uh, a customer first culture. What should be changed is Raj's project is late. I see. So you're late. Wait, so you're saying you're labeling it based on the customer. Correct. Yeah. So like I, that is just like one, again, it, it's, it's probably not the sexiest answer that most people want to hear, mm. but that fundamental shift of just saying, no, this is not a project. This is actually associated with a human being and a customer. Yeah. This is the, it's, so it starts there from the way that we communicate with each other. And then it progresses that into the, to the customer as well. Yeah. I get what you're saying. It's, it's, I mean, you could have like your Slack conversations where someone's like, you, you could just say, hey, the customer needs this. Or you mm -hmm. could say, hey, Shirley needs this, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the fact that you've associated a personality or an individual or, or an actual face it makes to it, it real. makes it real, right? As opposed to mm -hmm. just this ephemeral, ethereal entity that exists somewhere out there and is demanding things of you. Yeah. I think that's like the main takeaway that I wanted people to take, like to, to, to take with them after this conversation is like, it's not this monumental thing that you're going to do in order to change your culture. The culture starts with you, obviously that most people should know that already, but it's like the small things that you have to do and say, because you're as a leader, your words matter most. If you're able to just compartmentalize it and just talk to a human being, it makes it easier. Well, that makes me think of another question that I want to get your opinion on because I'm actually, I'm right now I'm writing a blog post on the topic of being quote unquote customer obsessed, which is something that you hear, you know, several companies make it one of their core values is we are customer obsessed and it is Amazon has that as a value. Uber has that as a value. Away luggage has that as a value. And, and my argument in the blog post that I'm currently writing is when you say you're customer obsessed, it, it typically ends up being at the expense of your employees. And on top of that, it means yeah. you are customer obsessed really ends up meaning on the customer side, you will, you will end up finding ways to shortchange them. Um, for example, yeah. like if you look at, let's say, um, let's say Uber, it's an easy one, right? Under their previous leadership, customer obsessed meant essentially gaslighting employees into working crazy hours because you need to be, you're not customer obsessed. Like, like Mark mm -hmm. is over here who's staying until midnight every night to, to work on this thing. Yeah. And then on the user facing side, customer obsessed means we're going to try to get as much data as we can, even if it's illegal, because it's going to make us optimize the product later on. And so I feel yeah. like there's this idea of quote unquote customer obsessed and Really, it just means you can bully people on both ends. And, and I, would, I think there's a better approach to it, which is building relationships of respect, which also means like yep. you, can put, oh, you can put your foot down back against a customer to be like, hey, just totally. like, this is out of scope or, or whatever that thing might be. But tell me your impression of that. 
Yeah, I'm with you on this. Um, I think customer obsessed, I think is a very, it, you're, you said it so much more beautifully than I could ever have. <laughs> um, what we believe is that actually our team is first and nice. our customers nice. are second. So, and that's not saying that's not, that's not disrespectful to the customer. That's just saying that we have a commitment to our team, the customer, although we want them to be forever, they believe in our philosophies and they believe in our systems and et cetera, and our, our mission and vision, et cetera. We want them to stay with us, but the actuality is that our customers aren't going to stay as long as our employee. Sure. And, and our employee might be here for like, we have people that have been here since day one for over two, two plus three years. And, they've probably gone through hundreds of different customers, thousands of different customers. So, and you also have to understand that our, our business is in the, the ideology of destroying work-life balance. So like mm. our, we're an unlimited graphic design service. People automatically assume that we're running our employees into the ground because of the, of, of the, the nature, but in actuality it's, it's actually not the case at all. Um, we've, figured out the formula to make that happen so people don't have to lose their 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 cool and, and they can still have work-life balance um be healthy and still live hard and work hard yeah um so my philosophy to to what you were saying is yeah our our customers our customers are right but our employees come first and their sure. livelihood matters most because if they're not working at their best then they won't be able to deliver for the customer simple as that yeah and yeah it's like if you don't take care of those who are within how are you going to how are they going to take care of those who come from outside yeah and and i think something else that's really interesting too that you brought up that i wanted to highlight is we totally tell our customers that they're wrong nice. like we don't do it respectfully like we don't we don't we don't do, you it, do it respectfully, respectfully. Yeah, yeah. we do it respectfully yes yeah um and and but it's not but it's done in a very tasteful way like for example um a project right like so we're very project centric and we have to read briefs and there are going to be times where we have to pop in and say hey you know sammy um you didn't actually word this correctly and i'm thoroughly confused hmm. can you like tell me a little bit like what you're trying to say and i can articulate it for you and like that's indirectly telling the customer that they're wrong, but you want to, you're, but you're doing it. You empower them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I like that a lot. And to your point before about unlimited, but not to where you can get bullied, you know, it's like, it's like the all you can eat buffet. It has a little asterisk where it's like the all you can eat is from like noon to three. Or the all-you-can-drink deal is like from seven to ten, and by the way, if we feel you're overserved, we're not going to keep serving you. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good analogy for us in particular. Unlimited truly does mean unlimited. Unlimited is defined as there's no limit to what we can do, like how many we can get done. So we're constantly going to be working on the accounts, but we're not going to necessarily be always excuse me, we're not there holding your hand every single second of sure. every single day. Yeah. And I think that's, the, so we have to educate the customer about that. And that's what the on, that's what we're going to be doing with the on, to make it full circle. That's what we're going to be doing with the onboarding process is just further educating and solidifying. This is how we operate. 
This is the structure. Be as detailed as possible. Tell us exactly what you want <clears throat> so then we can deliver something better for you. I want to ask you about the cross-sell, upsell strategy at Penji. But before that, I want to just mention for our listeners, if they are not familiar, that we have a new partner on the show here at Startup Hype Man, the podcast in Sales Hacker. If you are a longtime listener here, then you probably know by this point, I try to feature more B2B startups or startups that have a B2B or a marketplace startup with a B2B side. Penji kind of fits a little bit of both of those, to be honest. And Sales Hacker is the world's smartest community for forward-thinking B2B professionals. It's 135,000 members deep. And whether you are the CEO, the head of sales, a BDR, SDR, an account executive, Sales Hacker helps you get better at your job, plain and simple, with things like podcasts, articles, webinars, and research from actual sales experts and practitioners including yours truly, the hype man. There's no fluff from outside content marketers, just the straight dope for you to grow your sales acumen. I'm a huge fan of Sales Hacker. I've been involved in some of their content in the past, and I'm so excited to have them as a partner of the podcast now. You can get involved and join their community for free at www.saleshacker.com. Again, if you, you can join the community for free, which means access to the articles, the podcast, the research, the webinars, all the good stuff simply by going to saleshacker.com. You can opt into their email list or just enjoy the content that is put up on their website as is. Today on the show, we've got Jonathan Grzybowski, the CMO and co-founder of Penji, and we're talking creating a retention-focused culture. Now, Jonathan, um, in, in Penji's eyes, is retention strategy a matter of just holding on to the customer or looking for opportunities to cross sell slash upsell? And if it is the latter, how are you training your team for that? Um, I think it's one of those things is it's, it's more finding the talent than it is training because sometimes you just can't train people to react emotionally or mm. to react emotionally the way that you want them to be. Uh, and I can give you an example about why I believe that to be true. Um, so the way that we do it is through referrals and we do it through uh, Facebook and Google reviews and things like that. Um, very basic stuff okay. in the future. In the future, we will be able to have more of an upsell um, uh, uh, buffet, so to speak, to use that reference again, but not at this exact moment. Um, so we incentivize our account managers that if they were to get a referral, um, that, you know, there's always going to be some type of, um, acknowledgement of that. But anytime that a customer says like a particular line or a particular and, and, and reports positivity that are trained to throw in, Hey, did you write a Google review about us or awesome. Hey, did did you know, um, hey, did you know that you can get 15% off your next month if you refer us to a friend? Oh, by the way, they too get 15% off. Hmm. Um, so they're now trained to be that way, but you have to hire, and I'll share my story very briefly, you have to hire the person that is even able to do it in the in first capacity, place. Yeah. Yeah, because we've had people who are very like number driven individuals and very analytical, but they weren't the uh, the type of personality 
to acknowledge that to bring up the referral in a very clean way, if that makes sense. So if you're doing, if you're, if you're, if you have like a, a personality type that's a little bit more introverted, then that individual may be a little bit more robotic and they won't actually obtain the, the referral or they might not retain the, the Google review. But if they're a little bit more outgoing and a little bit more people centric, then we found that they're a little bit more successful at upselling the customer getting the Google review. That's an, that's a key point you make there. And, and it comes back to just how you're hiring, right? Because you're, what it means is that retention, I, mean, I, I mentioned earlier that I, I would make the argument that retention starts the second the customer hits buy. But what you're telling me is that retention starts before there's even a customer in place. And it starts with who are you hiring to come work for you? And do they, do you feel they possess this skill set, or do they, are they able to think in a way that would allow for, or, you know, where you see that, hey, they're the type of person who will ask for a referral, who will say, hey, can you write a review, who will look at opportunity within the existing account and how can you grow that? Yeah, so I'll give you a perfect example. We had a, a team member here that used to be a part of our sales process, like our, out, our incoming and outgoing sales, and her success rate was like relatively low, right? But I knew that she was a good people person. And so we eventually had to do some internal changing. We switched over to uh, like actual account driven things and the referral rates and the Google review rates and, and just the retention is so much better because of her analytical, because of her mindset of people first, um, she's able to assess the conversation and build stronger relationships with our customers than that of what she was able to do with like partners for sales sure. channels, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You found um, what could play to her strength then, or how, is exactly. she, how does she look at a situation and you, you kind of reorient. Yeah. And we didn't know that at first, but after just analyzing it, like, Holy crap, you know, this is why this person, it's not, this person's bad at her job. Uh, it's because it's because she's not doing the right thing. And it starts with your leadership. It starts with, it starts with me. It starts with everybody else. It's, it's, it's my fault that I didn't see that sooner. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's not that she's bad at her job. It's that it has not so much of what will help a person succeed is how is what's put in front of them? How is it framed for them? Yeah. And oftentimes we think, Hey, we just got a blanket thing here. We're going to give it to everyone and they will all succeed. And, and the cream will rise to the top. And if you don't yeah. get on board with this, you, you don't need, you don't belong here. But so yeah. much of it to your point is, it's almost like it needs to be the same set of information. You gotta have, you gotta sit down with each person on the team to figure out how are they going to best respond to this. Yeah, and I think it also goes in hand in how they're you're training them. So like asking them the the like I've I've had several conversations with our team members and saying like, hey, how do you like to be trained? And some people were like, well, I really like video. Other people were like, I really like, I really like detailed documents. And then so. I said to myself, okay, well, that's interesting. Um, I'm going to create a detailed document and, and <laughs> I'm going to create a video. So, and I'm going to take a video of that detailed document. So you're, you're good. So no matter what type of person you are, you'll be able to digest that. And I think it's just really, it's really hard to think to yourself 
and create a process around something unless you're able to remove yourself from the equation and just think about it logically. Sure. Sure. Last year, um, you know, one of my longtime clients at Startup Hype Man is a company called Fan Food and we have their CEO as a guest um, earlier, or actually you know, last season we had their C- CEO as a guest. And um, last year we, you know, and I helped them with a lot of their messaging, but then it also helping launch their, their first sales team. And when I presented to the team, the messaging, I then made it a point after like the, the main presentation of here's how we talk about the company, all this stuff to then have a one-on-one with each of those reps. And I think it was one, I had a one, one-on-one with each of them for like three or four weeks in a row to figure out how, how do they see what we just presented them? What are their, what's their thought on it? And, and how do they see themselves using it? Or like, is this a word? You know, there's sometimes just random filler words that like they won't use. And you got to figure out what is their personality like and how can they make that main company message their own? Yeah, I think a lot of, I think that's a really awesome thing that you did and really smart that you were self-aware that, that you wanted to go further. I think from an entrepreneur standpoint, I think it's really easy to be able to just say, this is the lay of the land, everybody. Now hop on board and let's get to it. Let's get back right. to work. But you don't understand that you literally just effed somebody's day or week or month because you just changed a process because of your inability to think clearly. Right. right. Uh, that, happens so, that happens so often and it still happens to this day. Um, but I, I can say it's something that like I'm personally aware of and I'm getting better at it. Um, so yeah, but that goes back to originally what we talked about as a patience thing. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you really have to be, you do have to be patient to know that like this process isn't perfect yet and you just have to keep perfecting it. I've got one more question before we begin our wrap up. Um, so the, the downside of retention, like the, like the antonym of retention is churn basically, right? Um, and theoretically, a customer could leave at any point, not just Penji, but any company, right? Um, but they could leave Penji at any point for greener pastures, or maybe they just don't like doing this way anymore. Yeah. How often are you reviewing like the numbers and the KPIs to measure churn? Um, once a month. And what, like, what goes into that review? Are you just literally just looking at the spreadsheet being like, oh, we're fine? Or is there, is it a little bit more Man, complex than that? It is so complex. Um, <laughs> how it got there is like, okay, so first off, we don't make any decision business-wise unless it's backed by numbers. Simple as that. Um, but how we got there, I think, is actually even more interesting. Like, it took two and a half years just to get to a numbers focused like decision-making process being honest um how do we look at churn well you have to look at like from a churn standpoint well how many people stayed in the first month right that's that's like you need to know that number um you need to understand like what the reasons are as to why they're leaving very obviously but not not all churn is created equal right yeah, because some, and then also we have cases of like, um, is this our fault or is this their, not their fault, but like, is it something that we did or is it something that is just like external terms that are out of our control? Sure. So you have to be able to assess that too. But now 
I want to be able to move it to like one sheet, but I probably have about like three or four sheets that I look at to make assessments. Um, but I'm in the process of trying to slowly be able to just put it all into one so you can see one playbook and one sheet and be able to know, okay, this is what the status is of our business today or for the week or month or whatever. Let's get into our wrap up now. Where can our listeners learn about Penji and learn about you and find both of you on both you and Penji online? Um, most important uh, is just Penji. So P E N J I dot C O. You can check us out on our website and just read everything that uh, you need to in order to make a decision there. Awesome. We will begin our close now with our top lessons or takeaways for the listeners based on the discussion today. I'll go first. So uh, the topic today was creating a retention focused culture. And to me, I think my biggest learning out of this conversation was what you said around making sure that like in the hiring process, you're keeping not just customer acquisition in mind, but, but customer retention, like knowing the behaviors and skill sets needed and then the thought, the thought processes needed to be thinking about keeping a customer, you're building that into how you choose to hire people. Jonathan, top one or two takeaways or lessons for the audience on creating a retention-focused culture. I would say, um, I think the patience word is probably the thing I'll just bring up again. I think like if you're looking, if you're if you have like a churn higher than fifteen percent, then you have a sinking ship and you need to be able to assess it immediately. If whatever that means, uh, just do it backed off of numbers uh, and don't just act emotionally. I think that's like the key takeaway because, and I'll speak to that for myself. I acted emotionally in the very beginning of our business because I was pissed off or a, a customer made me angry or an employee made me angry because they did insert whatever. Um, take a step back, look at the numbers. Even if you have one number, it's better than zero. And then make, make uh, better decisions that way. Typically after that, I go to my final question, which is what everyone gets. But in this case in particular, I want to ask one in between question that I thought I should have asked up front. We acknowledge that you're also like me, a big pro wrestling fan. So if you were, because anyone who's a fan, our ultimate dream is to actually be in that ring, body slamming people. So what is your wrestler name slash character? Yeah, I've, I've actually, I mean, I've thought about this. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I would be like a uh, million dollar man type of person. You know? <laughs> like I would, I would probably, <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't have a good voice like you and, and, and him. But I would probably be more like a venture capitalist trying to like back different, uh, different like uh, team, like uh, wrestlers. So you'd be like a manager then? Yeah, I'd probably be like a manager, but then like, you know, like that gets other people to do things for him. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like that would, I feel like that would be it. Cause like, I don't think that that's done. That's an awesome character idea. Yeah. So like, it's not done in a really creative way. Like Jericho kind of, he has to do it now because he's older. Yeah. And so he, he has like the whole inner circle thing, but I feel like but I that's not even his, sh- his shtick is not like, Hey, I'm going to fund you and you're going to do these biddings on my behalf. Right. Yeah. That's an awesome, I would right. love to see that. 
and it could be like, <laughs> yeah. you could you could create some. I mean, in typical like wrestling fashion, it would be like your initials would be like VC something. <laughs> yeah, totally, hundred percent. Yeah, that. So I really appreciate. It. That's the first time I've ever shared that with anybody. <laughs> um, I VC tried Grizzle. Explain. How about that? <laughs> that sounds like a cheap like rapper from the 80s or 90s. <laughs> yeah um, well a lot of wrestling but, names sound like cheap rappers from the 80s or 90s that is true <laughs> i would say if i were if i were to have a move i love uh dustin rhodes's or cody rhodes's move uh cool. i also I love now but yeah uh, yeah crossroads i think it used to be called i love his move but i also love his brother's move too where he kind of does like an inverted suplex and spin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The swinging guarantee um, thing, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's just like a statement piece. I thought you meant like, the Shattered Dreams move. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, for those that's who don't know, it. Shattered Dreams was a wrestling move back in the day where the guy would just straight up kick you in the nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, my final question for you, which is how we end every episode here on the show, is uh, fill in the blank. Entrepreneurship is blank. Effing hard. Effing it's, hard. It's impossible. Like people who go online and they promote themselves on TikTok, which I freaking hate, by the way. <laughs> and I'll be, I'll gladly speak about it. Um, people who promote themselves, uh, these entrepreneurs that promote the glitz and the glam on Instagram and all these other social media platforms. That's not what entrepreneurship is. Entrepreneurship is is disgusting. It is dirty. It is awful. And I'm saying all these things so I can tell the person that's listening to this that it's that it's not what you think it is. And if I'm scaring you that much where you choose not to do it, then you're not an entrepreneur anyways. So I would say that it's so hard that you have to just if you're going to embark on this crazy journey, make sure you have a great support system. Make sure you, you, you are able to think you have a clear mind. Um, but at that same aspect, entrepreneurship is beautiful. <laughs> it's like a beautiful, it's like a beautiful, beautiful disaster. struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's why, that's what I, that would be my answer. Yeah. I love it. And we get varying answers from different guests. And my, my response to the question is it is entrepreneurship is waking up every day, facing your own mortality. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's he so is true. Jonathan Grzybowski. He is the CMO and co-founder of Penji. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today on startup hype man, the podcast. Thank you. That wraps up today's conversation. Did you like what you heard? Startup Hype Man, the podcast is available on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. So be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and leave a rating and review. Do you want to be an upcoming guest on the show? Email media at startuphypeman.com with your idea and my team will review. Our theme song is Change the Game by Jay-Z, all rights owned by Rockefeller and Def Jam Records. And hey, if you want to work together on making your startup story the only one that matters, email me at rajiv at startuphypeman.com. That's R-A-J-I-V at startuphypeman.com. Well, that'll do it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you to today's guest for joining. You have been checking out Startup Hype Man, the podcast. I'll catch you next week. But in the meantime, word up, raise up.